Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. Hello again, Living Faith. I'm truly grateful that you've tuned into this service. I'm going to listen to this message in this new media presentation. I first want to offer my heartfelt appreciation to the seven people who helped me produce last weekend's Easter service. To put their work into perspective, you should know that it took nearly one hour of labor to produce each minute of that service. It's just a huge thanks that I have for that team. You know, like you, adapting to this new forum hasn't been easy. But when I look back over my years of ministry, I find that adapting has has always been required. You know, in college, I transitioned from engineering to theology. And when I did so, I really never considered public communication. Now, call me naive, but I, I, it just didn't dawn on me that God would require me to communicate to others the things that I would learn about Him. Then in my first ministry assignment, I had to adapt to speaking to teens. And I had to ask the question, what will keep their attention? And then the question, is it even possible? As I was invited to speak to adults, I adapted my style and presentation again. I began to receive some invitations to address other congregations, different audiences, and adapting again in my words and content to those in that audience had to be different again. In each progression, in order to be successful, I had to adapt, and so it is right now. I ask, you know, what can I do? How can I best speak into this camera to engage you wherever you are? And how can I invite you into godly encounters in this unfamiliar way? Frankly, I'm still searching for the best answers to these questions. However, there is one thing of which I am absolutely certain. Kingdom communication has to be empowered by prayer. Regardless of the media used, prayer has to power the process. I I prayed preparing this message today. I prayed before beginning this video, and I hope you've prayed before watching it. But now, I'd like us to pray as fellow participants, praying together in this moment that regardless of the method, we're able to receive the message and respond to it. Lord Jesus, we come to you, we seek you, we desire, Lord, your anointing upon our minds and spirits. We commit our faith to interact with your glory, that you would move and minister as only you are able to do. Amen. When I was just a child, my parents divorced. My dad was playing the field and my mom did the right thing. And so as a child, I grew without a major male influence in my home. It it wasn't anything I did. It wasn't anything I caused. It just happened. 
As other children in this situation, I, I wanted a dad. I prayed like many divorced children of divorce do. I prayed for unification. I prayed my mom would find another husband that could be my dad. I wanted a dad like other kids had. About a dozen years later, my mom did remarry. It probably took another dozen years after that before I considered her new husband to be my dad. But in the interim, I'll, I'll just confess, there were times when I questioned God. I mean, where was he in all of this? It was some point in, in my mid-twenties. I was praying and God gave me an amazing aha moment. God reminded me of the wonderful and influential Christian men he'd placed in my life when my natural father had bailed. Now, my mom made certain that she and my sister and I were very active in our church. In fact, mom moved us into a house at the end of the church parking lot. We walked to church. We went to every service, no questions asked. And in that congregation, there were many men of God who blessed my life. In particular, there are four who stand out. My maternal grandfather, William Bess, my mom's brothers, Bill and Bob Bess, and my natural father's brother, Phil Miller. Because of these men, I gained all manner of positive male mentorship. They took me on outdoors events. They taught me how to use hammers and wrenches and repair my bicycles, motorcycles, and cars. I now see imprints of these men in my work ethic, my family life, and yes, in my Christianity. And you know, while I didn't notice it at the time, Jesus was with me. He was there all along. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, there's a passage that many find familiar. In the 28th chapter, beginning at 16, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus said, I am with you always. Isaiah prophesied it. Matthew validated. Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christ Jesus is the, the New Testament representation of God with us. Yet, if we search the Bible, we find that God pledges his presence to humanity. The Lord told Isaac, I am with you. He said the same thing to Jacob. Later, he told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God spoke to the people of Israel, Fear not, for I am with you. The Lord told Jeremiah, I am with you. He told the Apostle Paul, I am with you. Repeatedly, over generations, God proclaimed this promise to individuals and to his people as a whole, I am 
with you. And yet, I found this psalm and it raises some questions to me. It's an anonymous author and he's praying. In Psalm 71, 9, we read this. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. You know, he's asking, will God forsake us because we get old or because we lose our physical strength? You got to love the Bible for being real and genuine and presiding both sides. The Bible records many who knew the Lord's generational promise to be with you, but it also records those who questioned that promise. When circumstances change, will God still be with me? When I was 20 years old, I remember my life circumstances changing. I also I questioned God's nearness. In order to pursue theology rather than engineering, I was losing financial backing of grants and scholarships and loans, and the new course of study meant self-payment. And so I was working like crazy to save money. At the same time, I was still adapting to my mom's marriage and our newly blended family. Late, late one night, something happened at the house. I don't even remember what, but I, I left out the door and I walked down a county road and, and into a grade school playground. I sat on a swing. I looked into heaven and I complained to God for a while. Where are you in all of this? As the psalm writer, when circumstances changed, I found myself struggling to believe that God was with me. What about, what about this passage in Hebrews 13? The writer says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, maybe you, like me, have, have heard these verses before. It's in a great encouragement and a reference from the Old Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But when we read the surrounding sentences, we find the encouraging reference is addressing covetousness. This great desire for something else, a discontent, had caused the Hebrew Christians to forget about God. They were tempted to look elsewhere other than to God with us. During 2005, in that calendar year, I made my living speaking in different churches across North America. And so every week my income depended on a different speaking engagement. And I had the normal expenses of a family of four, mortgage, tuition, braces, groceries, you know the drill. Every week was important. We needed that money. I was home a couple of days between trips and 
I was out on a long bike ride on some flat farm roads and while I was on that ride I received a call and that call informed me that an upcoming meeting was canceled. Now I'd been there before and they had been very generous in compensating me and now that income was gone and there would be nothing. After the call, riding along by those cornfields, I started complaining to God. I complained loudly. Where was he in all of this? In my discontent, I wondered if I should be doing something else with my life. Circumstances change around us. We become discontented. It's what happened to folks in the Bible. And they questioned, where is God? It's what happened to me and I did the same. Where is God? But in the Bible, there's, there's also evidence that people came through questioning times and they realized anew, God is with me. In selected verses of the 139th Psalm, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I, I cannot attain it. Where? Can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I love that. When I return to consciousness, when I remember we're still together, you are with me and I am with you. 35 years ago, while I was sitting on a swing set in a playground complaining to God, at some point the complaining ended and frustration turned into fellowship with my Savior. Rather than blaming Jesus, instead, I welcomed him. I became very aware of his powerful presence sitting there that night. He was with me. The situation and circumstances improved. He was always with me. Fifteen years ago, before that country bike ride concluded, I changed my tone with God. And rather than complaining, I began confessing anew, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you in my family. And instead of fretting, I began to choose faith in my heavenly Father. And while I communed with the Lord on a bike ride in the country, my phone rang a second time. It was a statewide leader. He apologized for the short notice, but they had a big event coming up and their speaker had just canceled. Could I come? They needed me the exact same days that I'd just been canceled. Because of short notice, I drove to that meeting rather than flying, and the host gave me a very generous mileage check and honorarium. In the end, I was compensated more at the new venue than if I'd gone to the canceled one. 
Jesus hadn't forsaken me. He was with me. It's one thing to look backwards and to recognize Christ with us, but it's another thing to recognize him during a challenge in the now. Right now, today, life circumstances are very different for most of us. Like the psalmist, we might wonder if Jesus has left the building. A lot of economic turmoil right now. We might be tempted to look to something or to someone other than Jesus Christ. We might question His very presence. Instead, I pray that we awaken to the truth. He is with us. I pray that we hear and we embrace Jesus' promise to us once again. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is here with me in this room. Hear me today. Jesus is with you in your home, in your circumstance right now. As the old hymn so simply says, Jesus is here right now. Reach out and touch him. Jesus is here right now to help you receive. Jesus is here right now, ready your heart to cheer. Jesus is here right now, only believe. He's aware, he's attentive. Jesus is here now. Hear me. If you felt abandoned by God or questioned his nearness, can you, would you turn your frustration into faith? Would you transition from complaint to confession? Would you talk to Jesus Christ right now? Perhaps you would pray, Jesus, awaken my faith. I believe your promise and I trust in you. Perhaps you would pray, Jesus, I need you. I welcome you. Jesus, make me very aware that you are near to me. Maybe you would pray like this, Lord, I humbly ask that you confirm again your promise to me. Jesus is here right now. He's near you. He's by you. He's never left you. And he never will. Talk to Him. Let Him minister to your life even now in the name of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.